0: Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unchained, the podcast where we hear from innovators, pioneers, and thought leaders in the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency. I'm your host, Laura Shin, a senior editor at Forbes covering all things crypto. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please help get the word out about the show. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, or in your secret Slack and Telegram channels. And if you have a chance, give the show a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget, you can always tweet at me to let me know who you'd like to hear from in a future episode. My Twitter handle is Laura Shin. This week's episode is brought to you by OnRamp. Your branding and website are the first things your users will see. And in the current wild west of ICOs and blockchain startups, you need to stand out from the pack. OnRamp is a full service creative and design agency that will help amplify your brand with a perfect website, logo, collateral, or custom design project. Get big results in no time by visiting thinkonramp.com. The topic of today's episode is whatever is going on with tokens in China. My guests today both lead Chinese projects that have held ICOs. Welcome to Da Hongfei, co-founder of NEO, formerly AntShares, and Patrick Dai, founder of Quantum and chairman of the Quantum Foundation.
1: Hello, Laura. Hello.
0: So before we dive into the main topic, let's hear a little bit about your backgrounds. Hongfei, let's start with you. How did you get into crypto and come to launch NEO?
1: Okay. I, I came across uh, Bitcoin in 2011, so that's almost the same with everybody else. And I uh, started working full time in the crypto industry in 2013. And then at that time, we have a club called Bit Angels Club. There are seven of us funded this club. Uh, after that, we spin off a project called NShares. So that's uh, basically a uh, new is is the re- rename of NShares. So we started in 2014 to develop NShares as a, a platform to issue digital assets. And then uh, we uh, add in the digital assets. We add in a smart contract to, to uh, shares, And this year we rebranded it to the new name, New.
0: Okay. And Patrick, how did you get started in this space and come to launch Quantum?
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Hello, everyone. Hi, Laura. Yeah. So my name is Patrick. I'm from the Quantum Foundation, uh, founder of Quantum Project. Uh, I involved uh, into Bitcoin industry since 2012 when I was still prepare my master degree and a PhD degree in uh, the CAS, one of the best technology university in China. So I joined the industry since 2012, and uh, uh, then I dropped out of my PhD uh, when it's uh, 2015, and I worked for Alibaba for six months. And then I left Alibaba, and uh, I started the Quantum project at the March of two thousand sixteen. Yeah. So right now, uh, the Quantum is uh, we released the mainnet uh, a few days ago, and the project is growing pretty, uh, very big right now. Yeah.
0: Oh, congrats. Congrats. Although it's a, a kind of a crazy time, I imagine, for you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your ICOs. Hongfei, when you were AntShares, you had two ICOs about a year ago and raised about $4 million. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, correct.
0: And so I actually, I saw an interview that you did with, or or that someone on your team did with Smith and Crown, and they mm-hmm. actually brought the CEO, Brian Leo, and the um, the researcher Matt Cherut, they were on the podcast uh, a little while back. Um, but it, it in the interview, the people on your team said that they felt that Western investors were more focused on the technology and they read the white papers closely, but that a lot of the Chinese were more like speculators and they tended not to read the white papers as closely. Um, so I just wanted to hear from you, uh, overall, how would you characterize the Chinese people who have been investing in ICOs and how have you seen that change over time?
1: Yes, that, that statement is true. And the things is getting worse. Uh, you know, in the past few weeks, there are like uh, every like 10, 10 ICOs every week. A lot of people, they don't understand Bitcoin. They don't know what Bitcoin is. They just uh, came in and want to make quick money. And when the situation gets worse, the old ladies are investing their retirement savings. The government is stepping and uh, uh, stopped all the ICO in China.
0: So they were participating in the ICOs themselves, like buying Ether and then sending Ether to a smart contract and receiving tokens?
1: Uh, Actually, there are are many platforms, ICO platforms in China. So they will help you to deal with the technical issues. So you don't need to be a tech savvy to, to do all the things.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But the concern was that people who didn't know what they were doing were getting into this? Uh, yes. Okay. And then Patrick, so Quantum raised $16 million in April. For you, what percentage of your investors do you think were Chinese versus West or versus uh, non-Chinese?
2: Yeah. So after the Quantum ICO finish, we... Uh, uh, Asked a few of our uh, partners who hosted who helped us uh, host the ICO so from the data we got like uh, more than 20 countries people uh, participated in the quantum ICO so I think maybe uh, 30 or 40 percent of people are from the Chinese uh, investor or the Chinese participator yeah so maybe but uh, the other percentage to come from us uh, not us uh, because we blocked all the US IP from the Canada uh were from UK or from Europe or in Japan, Korea and Russia. Yeah.
0: Oh wait, you blocked all of those countries? Uh no, we blocked the
2: US uh, citizens. So because we made a clear announcement like uh, if you are a US uh, American you cannot participate in RICO. Yeah.
0: Oh oh I see. But it was so the participants you were saying were from Canada and Europe and the UK and Russia and Korea and Japan?
2: Yeah yeah, Korea, Japan, and China. Yeah, n- n- not the U.S. market. Yeah.
0: Okay, and Hongfei, for the Neo or or back when you were Ant shares, what percentage of your investors do you think were Chinese versus non-Chinese? Uh,
1: the ICO one, the first ICO, uh, most of them are Chinese investors, and uh, for the ICO two, the 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 one I finished last year. Uh, half of the investments are coming from uh, non-Chinese countries.
0: Okay. So over time, how would you say that the atmosphere around ICOs was in China kind of maybe a year or two ago versus now? How has it changed?
1: I think a, a year ago, it's still very limited uh, because the general public, they doesn't know what, what an ICO is and uh, people Attending joining ICU, they need to have some tech uh, technical background. But these days, uh, everybody is talking ICU because lots of them made money from ICU. So, uh, the general public are investing their money.
0: And how do you think that change happened? Like, it started with you were saying yeah. tech savvy people. Was it kind of like yeah. coders who were who were buying this initially, and then how did it spread? It
1: doesn't necessarily to be a coders, they just uh, uh, those are p- people that are uh, uh, fascinated by the new technologies. They they love to they love to try new things. They love to support new things. But these days, uh, uh, there are most of them are speculators. Okay. And there are many uh, ICU projects. I think their uh, their their goal is is pointless. They're just uh, uh, they're just here to make money. They're not trying to build something.
0: Okay, and so what are some of the maybe inflection points or milestones where you feel like you saw that shift happen?
1: I think it starts in 2017.
0: Mm,
2: yeah, I mean, the the, the the shift point or the, the change point start, uh, happened like three months ago. Yeah, after some project had been pumped so high, I think because of the influence of the maybe the Ethereum price uh, they jumped like 40 times higher uh, since the March uh, to the to to May. Yeah, the price went up like 40 times. So after the people uh, saw the price uh, went up 40 times, then all the people, I think, not only in China, uh, all the people in the world, they become crazy. Yeah.
1: I think the shift started slowly from 2017, and uh, yeah, yeah. I- I think the reason is people are making money. The the organization or uh, they started ICO are making money. The people invested in ICO are making money. Looks like everybody is is gaining something. So, uh looks like a, 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 it's, a it's it's a very good opportunity to make some profit. So everybody is very excited and uh, they just made up a lot of ICO projects.
0: And does this parallel anything, any other kind of bubble um, or I don't know if bubble is really the word, but mm-hmm. um, any behavior in China that you've seen in the past?
1: I think it's the ICO bubble is not a, just a Chinese thing. It's it's a global, it's a global uh, phenomenon. Yeah.
0: I had read about previous bubbles in China that involved things like tea and types of wood. And even the stock market, that was a couple of years ago. Like, is this kind of um, something that you feel like is maybe even culturally specific in a way? Like, I, I, I agree with you that there is a bubble, obviously, and I agree with you. It's the same in the U.S. where a lot of projects that shouldn't be trying to raise money are uh, just because it's easy to do so. Um, but I also feel like I've read that China in particular has some kind of culture around speculation that often leads to these types of bubbles.
1: Uh, yes, I think the Chinese, uh, because in China, there are really very limited investment opportunities. So, uh, people, pe- you know, the Chinese, Chinese yuan is depre uh, depreciation slowly. So people want to reserve their, their value, uh, but they have very limited investment channels. The money uh, can only stay in China. You can invest in global market. So if they see some opportunity. They go ahead.
0: So something else that I was wondering about is when you guys were constructing your ICOs, what were the laws in China that you had to be aware of to make sure that your offerings wouldn't land you in jail?
2: Okay, for the for the, for the question, like uh, which of law area we needed to aware before we do the ICO?
0: Yeah, like I'm assuming yeah, se- so- securities regulation is probably one. I don't know what else.
2: Oh, uh, Okay. So I think earlier in China, all the ICO area, it's, uh, it's just uh, uh, unclear and uh, gray area uh, because we do not have a very clear regulations in that er- area. So for quantum, but uh, we thought maybe in the future the, the Chinese government may have some regulations. So when we started the quantum project, the, we registered our foundation in Singapore. Yeah, but we, we do have a small office in Shanghai. Uh, but uh, yeah, we have the gene. I mean, originally we come from China, but then uh, we were we were thinking like uh, from the very beginning we know okay in the future maybe the Chinese government may do some regulation, so we choose uh, we choose to register the quantum project legally uh, in Singapore, and we have a very pretty uh, global team from nine countries. Yeah. So, but in China, I think in the ICO area, there is a few departments they take in charge, uh, like the central bank and the the Chinese security uh, committee, uh, uh, Chinese security regulatory committee, uh, and uh, maybe uh, sometimes with the insurance like a department too. Uh, They both can take in charge of the ICO area. But the main regulator should be the central bank and also the the, the Chinese uh, Securities Regulatory Committee, uh, they are the main role uh, to take in charge the, uh, the the ICO regulation. But until right now, we do not have very clear like law or any legal uh, regulations uh, defini- definition on the ICO. Yeah, but just like uh, the regulator, they saw the big risk right now, so they wanted the market just to be like become uh, calm down, uh, calm down. Uh, they wanted the market like uh, do not go too too crazy. Yeah, they wanted to stop it right now.
0: Another thing I wanted to ask about is just um, how you guys first started hearing that the People's Bank of China or PBOC might ban ICOs. Did you first hear rumors or like how how did that all start for you?
2: Yeah. Um, okay. I I will answer it first. Uh, maybe then Hongfei can answer this. Yeah. So yeah, in truth, like uh, we will keep talking to the regulator even before the regulation came uh, come out. Yeah. So we know, like, uh, it's kind of like uh, if you live in China, you can feel like uh, some bubble is happening. A few months, one month ago. Like uh, you know, everyone wants to start uh, the ICO project. Like Hongfei said, uh, most of the ICO project is uh, just meaningless. It's pointless. It's just some some guy. Oh, I want to make money, so I think I do ICO. They forgot. They already forget the initial idea of the ICO. The initial idea of the ICO is okay. I have a good idea. I want. to Build an open source project, no business model. Okay, I need the community to support me to donate me some money. I think that's an initial, initial idea since 2013 uh, in the cryptocurrency industry. But uh, this year, kind of something crazy happened. So I think the government realized like it's a big risk in China right now. Also, the ICO platform uh, Hongfei just mentioned like uh, in China we have like uh, maybe sixty five. Uh, platform, ICO platform, they help you to do the investment to the ICO. It's kind of like the broker of the traditional stock market. It's kind of like a lower all the barrier for the average uh, people. No matter you know Bitcoin, blockchain, uh, uh, whatnot, you can participate, you can you can invest. Yeah, so that's a big risk uh, for the regulators. I think that's a reason why the government, they made the regulation, uh, they announced like a few weeks ago. Yeah.
0: And when you say that there are these ridiculous projects and it's just some random person who just decides to raise money with a cryptocurrency, but they don't have any real project or idea. What are some examples of some of the really crazy ICUs that you've seen or heard of recently?
2: Yeah, I think you know. Initially, the ICO is some way to you can you can use your money uh, to fund some uh, open source project, some talented developer, uh, especially in the blockchain industry. But you know, uh, last few months, like uh, a lot of people come from the traditional business. Like, okay, because I saw a project. Okay, they are a moon mooncake. It, you know, it's like a mooncake company. Okay, I want to release the ICO. I want to sell my mooncake. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of funny, you know, <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> yeah, they want to do this kind of ICO to uh, escape the regulations earlier. Yeah, so that's something I think the government, they realized, oh, it's become crazy right now. I, and we need to stop it. Yeah. yeah, that's just one of the examples. There's a lot of similar examples. What, what are some yeah? of the
0: others? That is hilarious. What are some of the others?
2: Yeah, there are some others like, um, you know, uh, there are some projects, I I mean, okay, blockchain is a very big innovation for the whole society, for the whole internet, but you cannot use blockchain to everywhere, it's impossible, yeah, but uh, you know, since blockchain is a very hot topic right now, all the people come from the traditional industry, no matter what they are doing, they want to build some connection or the relationship with blockchain, so they are just selling the blockchain concept to 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 the average people. Because blockchain is harder for people to understand. It's like the AI. It's like the Internet kind of Things. It's some big concept. So the people, they saw the opportunity, like just, okay, I'm doing blockchain business. Okay, give me your money. It's something like this. Yeah. So, you know, you cannot make money from a concept. You need to have real products. But then people realize, oh, I can't sell blockchain concept and I can't get money. Then people changed their initial uh, idea. You know, a lot of projects they overraised. I mean, some projects they raised 20, dollars uh, in ICO. Some projects they raised 50 million dollars. I mean, for a startup, why you need that much money? Yeah, you you, you don't want to even have a prototype. Yeah, that's some that's still some real project. Then became like some like a very. Very, very, like, uh, how how, how can I call that? It's a very normal project. or even some fake project, they wanted to raise money because they, they say, oh, I have some connection with blockchain. Then you can give me your money because the blockchain is a trend of the new world. Yes, you know, so something crazy. Yeah, people already forgot what they are doing. Yeah.
0: Wow, wait! But I just am so curious. So, aside from mooncakes, are there any other really ridiculous traditional industries that said that they were going to have an ICO? The mooncake one is so funny; I love it. But <laughs> it's just wondering if there's another. Yeah,
2: I think there. Yeah, there's uh, some. You know, the some like the maybe some uh, f- superstar in China. Uh, they 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 wanted to release some coin uh, to sell their income in the next five year or ten year. Yeah, I'll, I can release a superstar coin. Oh,
0: wow. That's actually, that is, I think, a security. At least in the U.S., it would be.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a security. And, uh, you know, there's like uh, some traditional investor, they joined the industry and they become the advisor. Uh, there's a, I can feel there's a trend uh, like one month ago. A lot of angel investors, uh, they jumped into the ICO industry. Because the reason is like you know they invested into a lot of startup company, but it's very hard for all the startup they invested to go to Nasdaq or go to the uh, the, the Chinese stock market. Because very only one percent of the startup they have the chance to go to Nasdaq. So then that means like uh, most of the angel investment will fail. So they wanted to cash out. So how can they cash out? Okay, they ask the the, the company they invested to go to do the ICO. Then the angel investors they can cash out. Yeah, that's that's something happened like uh, last uh, one month or two months. Yeah, and uh, I think because it's like, a, uh, uncircu- uh, it's some like a private uh, uh, company, and uh, you cannot sell the shares easily in China. But uh, people uh, seems they figure out, oh, I can do this in the ICO ways, so I can sell my shares. Yeah but you know it's uh, it's not uh, it's not uh, uh, permitted in China you cannot uh, do this even today with the uh, current regulation you cannot uh, sell your shares easily in China i mean the private company shares
0: okay yeah this is um this is again uh, not that different from uh, what uh what the perception of that behavior would be in the us um so uh, now out of curiosity once the ban was put in place what was the reaction to that? It sounds like you guys think it was pretty sensible. Um, what, what was kind of like the broader uh, reaction from the public?
1: Uh, I think most people think it's a, it's a good thing to uh, to stop all, all of scam projects, but they still feel it is too strict. Uh, it just que- it may kill some good projects too.
0: And Patrick.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the public they have some reaction, some uh, some reaction for sure. Uh, yeah, I th- I agree with Hongfei. Like, uh, but uh, still, you know, there's some good projects in China. They think, okay, this ICO like uh, a strict regulation may kill some innovations uh, in China in the blockchain area. Yeah.
0: Okay, so there's so much more to discuss, but we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back and talk about scams, we're going to talk about refunding investors, the closing of the Bitcoin exchanges and some rumors we're hearing. But first I'd like to take a quick break to tell you about our fabulous sponsor OnRamp. If you're starting up a new project or need some design or branding help on an existing one, OnRamp has you covered. OnRamp is a full service creative agency that has helped numerous companies, including many in the crypto space, maximize their brand awareness, gain traction and accelerate growth. OnRamp has a passion for ramping up brands and boosting business results and can help with everything from website and logo design to social and content strategy. Focus on your core technology and leave the rest to OnRamp. To learn more and see how they've helped passionate entrepreneurs achieve their dreams, go to thinkonramp.com. Thanks OnRamp for being a supporter of this podcast and all of our listeners. So let's talk about refunding investors because that is something that kind of really piqued my curiosity you described a lot of kind of really interesting situations where I would imagine it would be pretty complex are you guys doing that and if so how do you even do that
1: yeah we offered a, actually um, my uh, uh, Antshare's ICO the second one in 2016 is refundable before the mainnet is launched so after we uh, from the period after we finished uh, the ICO And before the mainnet launched, uh, investors or participants can ask for for a refund, a full refund. Uh, We received uh, about 15 15 requests and refunded uh, 50 Bitcoins at that time. And when the ICO ban came out uh, a few weeks ago, we decided to extend that period. So until uh, October 17th, uh, uh, the participants in in both ICOs can still refund, the, ask for a refund, and they will get their Bitcoin back. But they have to send back the new token. So that's the way we, we, we do Yeah.
0: And so you did it like you already had all their email addresses. Is that how you're doing these refunds?
1: Uh, no I, I'm asking them to uh, asking them to send uh, us an email at contact at org, and we will give them a address a new address they send back the new and we will refund them with Bitcoin
0: okay and how can you be certain that they didn't just buy on a secondary market
1: okay so we will we will need them to uh, uh, sign the message they have a private key for the for the ICO one, they have an account. So they have a, a we have their email address for the uh, ICO two, uh, the user will have a private key.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. So they have yeah. to send it to you from that account. Yeah. Okay. But what if they've already sold their NEO? then what happens? Uh, yeah.
1: I, I actually, I don't care where you, where you get the NEO. You, if you invest it like, uh, uh one bitcoin and get uh le- let me say uh, 1000 new uh if there is such record you just send back 1000 new i w- i want we want check uh it's if it is the original new
0: oh oh i see yeah okay and but so you had already planned that but for all the ICOs that haven't planned that or hadn't how are mm-hmm. they doing the refunds
1: I think they just refunded uh, some of the ICOs, they, they, they finished their uh, money raising uh, fundraising period, but they haven't issued their token. So just, they just refunded all the money to, to the user. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Oh, so that, okay. Okay. So sometimes I, and I, you know, I haven't participated in Mm ICOs. So sometimes you send the money, but then you don't get the token until later.
1: Uh-huh. Yes yeah, yeah. Okay. for that situation you just they just send back the money, send back the ether or Bitcoin.
0: okay, but then what yeah. about other situations where the tokens were already trading?
1: Yeah, new is already trading so we offered a refund option but until uh, as uh, uh, until now I haven't seen a, a request for refund because it's it's more profitable to to sell them in the in the market than get a refund.
0: Oh, really? You ha- you'd haven't seen a... Se- so, oh, but it's voluntary. So it's not like... Yeah. Oh, it's I see. It's not compulsory.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. And not a single person has requested a refund? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: People are not, not silly.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, I guess it's not as complex a process as I imagined. <laughs> um one other thing I wanted to ask about was we were talking about the silly projects that you know are not blockchain related at all that were mm-hmm. trying to hold ICOs. And I saw this one report that said the PBOC claimed that 90% of all the ICOs in China were fraudulent. Do you think that's yeah. true? And if so, what examples do you have of that? I think
1: Mooncake, Mooncake ICO is a good example.
0: <laughs> okay, why was that why was that fraudulent?
1: I'm not sure what's what is the exact word they used. I read the statement, uh, but I'm not sure if if they used the word fraudulent.
0: So, but the way that worked was something like, let's say I mm-hmm. am a mooncake bakery and mm-hmm. or or a mooncake um company and mm-hmm. I say, "Okay, I'm going to issue these tokens and then you can redeem them for mm-hmm. mooncakes." Is that is that what the structure of this was, or...?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's how it work in the white paper.
0: But why would that be fraudulent? I mean, it just seems like a stupid reason for a token, but I don't know if it's...
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, it's based on that many, many of the projects, they don't, have, they don't even have a technical person at first. When they started ICO, they, all they have is idea. And uh, after they get the money, they they may started to hire some technical, real technical person to do that job, and they may not.
0: Oh, I see. Like they're just kind of marketing. Hey, we're going to have an ICO, yeah. but they don't yeah. even have any. <laughs> wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, they don't have any concrete uh, uh, architecture for 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 the for the product.
0: Meaning that it sort of felt like they were just going to take their bitcoins and ether, and then mm-hmm. not even. Issue tokens, or
1: I think they will issue tokens. But uh, their their real intention is not to build the product. Their real intention is to get yeah, the, yeah. get the token, the Bitcoin or Ether from the ICO and spend a yeah. small portion of it to deliver a so called product, and they can keep most of the money.
0: Oh wow! Well. Yes. Okay.
2: The token is useless sometimes.
0: And did the regulators? contact those issuers and, uh, you know, I'm not sure, you know, what you would, what they would do exactly, but, you know, bring some kind of regulatory action against them? Like, do you know of any particular ICOs where the regulators came in and said, hey, like, you're violating this or that law?
1: I'm not sure. I I haven't been contacted by the regulators. Yeah. So Patrick.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, in China, um, why the PBOC, they say like 90% of the project, it's uh, like a scam or a very bad project because, uh, okay, uh, because I read some news like, uh, you know, in China, we have some ICO project, you know, uh, the ICO, it's just a method for you to raise money. Yeah, ICO itself is not a scam, but some ICO project, it's a scam. Yeah so that's a reason like uh, uh I, but uh, you know in China people they they cannot really distinguish the difference like uh, the the most of the public people most of the people they do not really understand what's really it's the ICO and the ICO project you know they they think oh oh ICO is a scam or the ICO it itself is a scam i think it's a different concept yeah another reason why the regulator is uh, so angry or so like uh, so strict it's because you know, in China, we have some like uh bad people. Like they they use the ICO name to do scam stuff. Like uh, they scam people. Like uh, there is some Ponzi scheme in China. Maybe some like a uh, fake coin or some Ponzi scheme coins. So they use oh they say oh I'm doing the ICO. You you invest. Uh, you give me your money, and I will pay you back every month. Yeah, there is like a like I think maybe there is a uh, there is. a, there's some amount of uh, Ponzi scheme in China, yeah, in cryptocurrency world, yeah. Uh, it's like the dark side of the, of the cryptocurrency. Uh, like, uh, they have nothing. They, they only have a website, they do not have any, re- they do not have any experience with the blockchain industry, they do not have any, any experience with the, with the development work. They just build a website and uh, uh, introduce the Ponzi scheme, yeah. So their initial idea is to scam people, but they say, oh, I'm doing an ICO, you know. That's kind of like already devalued the ICO uh, concept in China. Like uh, when people hear about the ICO, they say, oh, ICO is most likely the scam, you know. But uh, th- that's the reason it's because of the too many bad people, they use the ICO concept in China. Yeah, they kind of like uh, make ICO become a bad word in China. Yeah.
0: And for those Ponzi schemes, did they raise a lot of money? Were they pretty successful?
2: Um, I don't know too much. But from what I heard, like, uh, yeah, there's a few Ponzi schemes. Like, I think they scammed some people. And they raised some money. Yeah. And they also released the coin. But the coin is just like, uh, it's meaningless, you know. You give your uh, RMB to them or give your USD dollar to them. And then you get a coin. And the coin itself is, is meaningless.
0: Well, that's that's too bad.
2: Yeah, I think that's also why yeah. the regulators are angry. Uh, why why they made the most strict regulation on ICO in China? I think their original target is not the, the good project in China. Their original target is the Ponzi scam in China. Yeah.
0: But so then, why do you think they made the bans so complete instead of just? Trying to target the the bad actors.
2: Um, maybe um, the reason is like uh, you know, because okay, the, the good projects also have some risk, but the the bad projects one hundred percent totally risk. No, like no real use case. Yeah, no no real use. Yeah, so I think for, from the regulator's point of view, it's like uh, okay, it's kind of crazy. All the ICO is crazy right now. Uh, I think the idea is like to uh, okay let the let the community or well, let the, not the community let the you know the, the train to uh, come down uh, and to stop it right now and to let people think about this. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Well, so this actually is the perfect segue to my next question because I also saw a report that said that the ban is only temporary, and I guess uh, someone. In China, um, I unfortunately, I didn't write down the name, but somebody with some authority who said that he thought that it was going to be temporary while the lawmakers hashed out the regulations. And like, again, all of this is just conjecture. But he also said that he thought maybe ICOs would only be allowed if the teams get licenses first. Um, of course, I think this is all just guesses. But do you think that the ban is temporary, and if so, um, how long do you think it will last?
2: I I think it's very hard to predict uh, the, the the government government's attitude. You know, uh, because I think it depends on it depends on the the public's reaction. Yeah, and it also depends on the regulators themselves, and it depends on all the financial environment in China. Yeah, so it's hard to say it's a temporary or it's forever. I I don't know the answer. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, but the, the time will change. Then we will see what what will happen. Yeah, because if the financial environment become bad in China, I think the ICO ban is forever. But if the financial environment in China become uh, much better in one year or two years, maybe the government will change the attitude on uh, on ICO or on Bitcoin. Oh, interesting. Yeah, my take
1: is yeah. My take is uh, according to the word the words they use, I don't think it's they they intend to be a temporary ban. So don't don't wait don't expect like uh, two months or a few weeks later they they declare uh, a licensing some ICO, I don't think so.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, I don't think so too. Yeah, maybe no no licensing forever, no ICU forever. It's yeah. possible.
1: Yeah. But I need. I want to cl- clarify one thing: is that uh, uh, the China government only banned raising money from general public. They did not ban raising yeah. money privately, so you can still do uh, a token raising in China as long as you do not uh, you do not pitch to the general public, and there are no more than two hundred investors in the project and you do not promise a return of profit, so that's, that will be fine, that will be okay, still perfect legal.
0: And do you know if yeah. some of the teams that were planning to do ICOs, are they planning to do it that way now, to fundraise that way now?
1: I think it's a very sensitive period. So no, no team in China will, will want to uh, uh, do an ICO at this kind of situation, no matter it's private or, or public.
2: Yeah, but I know a team like, uh, yeah, they earlier they wanted to they want they wanted to do a public offering, uh, to the public the, the ICO the token, uh, but uh, I think right now after the regulation came out, they wanted to do a private offering to the and uh, to the like the angel investor. Yeah, so yeah, I, I know a team they are trying to do this, uh, in China right now. Yeah.
0: Okay, so basically this thing that I read where someone said that the ban is probably temporary. You think that's just a rumor and 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 probably not likely to happen.
1: I think it's a rumor.
0: Yeah, I think there is some, yeah, it's a rumor. There also, there is some misunderstanding, you know. Uh,
2: you know, sometimes, uh, in Ch- even in China, we have a different opinions uh, from the government. Uh, uh, not, I mean, not from the government. You know, some people, they say the, the ICO bank is temporary, but uh, then some uh, journalists from some other countries, they translated this, Yeah, you know, but it's not represent the government. Yeah, the government always have the same opinion. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it depends on the government's attitude. It depends on the the public reaction. It depends on the financial environment. It's not a, a simple ICO in China. I think uh, even this kind of regulation, it's a very high-level officer, very, very high-level, very, very high-level uh, guys. They, they made this kind of regulation. It's not just the PBOC or just a, one one department in China. It's the seven. Yeah, seven, seven, like a mostly influential uh, department in China. They made this announcement. Yeah.
0: Okay, so something else I was curious about was that I read and granted, obviously I don't speak Chinese, but I read that the language of the ban made some kind of distinction between virtual currencies like Ethereum versus tokens. First of all, is that true? Mm-hmm. And if so, what is that distinction? Because I mean, Ethereum did do an ICO. It's just long before ICOs yeah. were such a big trend. So, so yeah. I kind of am not really sure how they're distinguishing between what is legal versus what isn't legal.
2: I think all illegal. <laughs> the-
0: oh, even even Ether now.
2: Yeah, even Ether, even even Bitcoin you know the reason is like okay very few people they they know the like the the difference like the cryptocurrency and the token you know personally i think uh, even ethereum even bitcoin it's, it's just a token yeah it's just a simple in a bit of blockchain network it's just a token yeah but you know the token uh i think the the regulator they they don't know the clear definition of the token and the cryptocurrency because in the whole industry, we do not have this kind of clear definition. Yeah. I mean, even in Silicon Valley or even in any other countries, uh, any other like a uh, area, no one give a very clear defin- definition uh, on like uh, what's cryptocurrency, what, what is a token, like uh, what is like a currency, what is a cryptocurrency, you know, no definition at all. Yeah. So in China, like a, uh, uh, some translation like, okay, they call it a token, uh, but uh, the token have a very wide like um, definition. Even cryptocurrency is a kind of a token. Yeah, even Bitcoin, even Ethereum, it's kind of a token. So, but the, you know, the reason like, uh, uh, you know, sometimes even the regulator, they do not have too much technical background. Yeah, it's hard to distinguish. It's, it's, it's even harder for us to distinguish what's the difference, even for the like uh, the experts in this area, in this blockchain area, no one gives a very clear definition. But uh, from the from the other, like uh, from the further action or the further move of the PBOC and the government, the regulatory uh, department, like uh, you know, uh, BTC China, they will uh, shut down the exchange. So that basically means, like, uh, no matter what token you are trading or what cryptocurrency you are trading in your exchange platform, you need to delisted uh, it in three months.
1: Yeah, actually, I, I have a different opinion with with Patrick. Yeah, uh, the PBOC uh, document they use two words. Uh, one is in Chinese, it's B. or uh, uh, you can translate it yeah. to token, or it also means yeah. substitution. It also means substitution in China, in Chinese. So it, I think, it refers to those uh, uh, tokens that uh, mostly are ERC twenty tokens they claim to do some yeah. they claim to have their own token have a specific uh, specific usage but they they issued before their manage is launched so probably PBOC is using token a uh, token to refer to those kind of uh, uh, virtual currencies and they all you they also used a uh, or virtual currencies. I think uh, those, this word refers to the tokens that had already had their mainnet and is up and running. So they used the two different words. And I have seen, I have seen repeatedly uh, uh, in some official media said we need to separate Bitcoin, Bitcoin exchange and blockchain technology. So the gov- government is encouraging blockchain technology and uh, that's, uh, that's their stand on blockchain technology. And they also said Bitcoin is legal in China and Chinese citizens can lawfully uh, hold and even trade in person uh, uh, with Bitcoin. But Bitcoin exchange is not uh, legal at this moment because any uh, centralized exchange should be licensed under the Chinese security law. So uh, uh, all the Bitcoin exchanges are centralized exchange in China, and uh, it's it's actually it's it's no it's not legal.
0: I want to pick apart a few of the things that you mentioned with this distinction that you were saying that you you know that you saw in the language where they had these different words. Mm-hmm. So for the token one, you thought that that was referring to tokens that had been issued where the mainnet had not been launched. Mhm. And then the other yeah. word that referred to any token where the mainnet d- has already launched? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, so or
1: or, or, or let me yeah. let me let me say it this way. Uh, the the token, the word token they used referred to the those ICUs, the tokens issued by the ICUs and virtual currency it referred to the the token that is raised, that they used as a funding method, like Bitcoin, Ether.
0: Oh. oh, interesting. Yeah. So then it doesn't matter if the the token's main net has launched. It's only about, you know, what is being issued versus what is being received?
1: I, I don't know. I, I think there are two kinds of explanations here. Yeah. I'm not sure I, I I think the regulators they ha- they don't have a very strict definition,
2: yeah, that's true,
0: okay, yeah, but it it is kind of curious why did they use the two different words and then which which category does does each token belong to <laughs> um but actually, you know when you were talking about how you felt like even ether or Bitcoin you know, falls in those categories and how those exchanges were banned. I did want to talk about that. So right now it's Friday morning in China and uh, yesterday here in the U S um, or not yet. Well, it's for me, it's the same day. This morning, when I woke up, I saw the news about Bitcoin exchanges or at least BTCC Bobby Lee's exchange. And Bobby Lee actually also was on the podcast maybe about six months ago. Um, but so I read that he he was closing his exchange. Um, and it sounds like you're saying that the regulators are closing them all uh, because even right now, as far as I know, I haven't seen that confirmed officially.
1: Yeah, it's, it's never confirmed officially. Yeah. Uh, but the many uh, media that was linked to the government had re- repeatedly reported all the uh, exchanges will be closed.
0: Okay. And why, yeah. so why is the government saying that the exchanges have to be closed, but that peer-to-peer exchanges are okay. Oh, oh it's, it's, sorry, you said this earlier. It's because they need to be registered first. So it sounds like this will be temporary, that they'll reopen.
1: Uh, no, I, I, I'm saying that uh, centralized exchange is, you need, need, you need to have a license to set up a centralized exchange. And uh, all the Bitcoin yeah. exchanges does not have a license. And I don't think the government were licensing them.
0: Oh, oh, so they all have to close.
1: Yeah. And there's yes. no
0: chance of them getting licenses now?
1: I don't see, I don't, no. I don't see that.
0: Okay. So then does that mean that some traditional exchanges will be able to obtain these licenses to trade cryptocurrencies?
1: No, I don't think so. It depends. No. Shanghai <laughs> Stock Exchange. Yeah. I,
0: I, I don't think Shanghai so. Stock yeah. Exchange would do that. You know? <laughs> Yeah. So okay.
2: Well, the stock exchange, they will do that. I think no, no, no one will do this in short time. In short term, yeah, maybe in one year, two year, no one will do this. Yeah.
0: Okay, and why do you think that they decided to do that to ban the trading of Bitcoin?
1: There are many reasons. There are anti-money laundering reasons. There are uh, capital control reasons. Yeah. And uh, uh, one statement uh, in the official media is that. Uh, Bitcoin is not, there is no real use case of Bitcoin, and most of the use cases are trading and speculation, and involve, sometimes involves criminal activities. So,
2: yeah, I think there are many reasons.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, do you think that the PBOC was right, that that's what people are doing and, and nothing else?
2: I, I, I would say most of the
1: activities around Bitcoin is trading speculation. That is That is somehow true. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, but I think they they view the. I mean, they, they they take the whole cryptocurrency as like a, in a narrow field. It you know you sh- you should see the future of the of the currency, like uh, the future of the of the money in the world. Like uh, you know, that's how the blockchain people in this area. Okay, they think okay in maybe by the in ten years or twenty years, uh, the Bitcoin will become the. The top five currency in the whole world, only after USD, dollar, RMB, or, or, or uh, yeah. It's, it, I mean, you know, the, most of people in the blockchain area, they still believe like uh, Bitcoin will come sometimes in the future will become a global currency. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what is the reaction to this ban versus the ICO ban? Are, is it pretty much the same, or do you think people are even more a kind of disappointed or surprised?
2: people even more surprised and scared
0: oh scared Why? why scared
2: uh, you know okay there are some new new people uh, they joined the industry uh, uh, this year maybe just a few months ago and they all think okay the bitcoin price will always going up so some people they they may invest a lot into the Bitcoin and you know after the, the after the some after BTC China confirmed they will close the exchange you know Uh, uh, the price just went down like 25% or even 30% of the Bitcoin price in China. So you can see like uh, people may be scared, like, oh, Bitcoin may become uh, useless in the future. And I cannot sell my Bitcoin in the future anymore. So, yeah, it's uh, have some uh, worse influence than the ICO banks. Yeah, you know, you after the ICO bans, uh, some of the people, like, they, they still think, okay, uh, I can still trade my Bitcoin. I just cannot participate in the ICO anymore. But I can still, uh, like, uh, take Bitcoin as a long-term investment. But, uh, you know, after the, the, uh, the BTC China confirmed that they will close the exchange, I think that that's bringing more uh, influence in the society in the, to the public. Yeah. People are scared, like, uh, okay, maybe in the future, uh, Bitcoin will go back to uh, uh, maybe uh, maybe $500, $1,000 a game.
0: Yeah. And so for people that own Bitcoin in China, what are they doing? Are they all now panic selling on BTC China, trying to sell their Bitcoins before the exchange closes? Or are they holding onto it and saying, oh, you know, a year from now, two years from now, uh, it'll still be worth more. I can keep it and I can sell it, you know, person to person at that point. How are people reacting?
2: I think the newcomers,
1: they're selling. Yeah, they're panic.
2: Yeah, different different actions. Yeah, people have a different reactions.
1: Yeah, the true believers, the veterans in, in the crypto world, they're holding their coins and even buying more, uh, buying when others are panicked. But the newcomers, they 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 want to flip. They want to make a quick money. They want to buy today, maybe sell next week. Uh, they find out it's very difficult to sell. Uh, 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 maybe in the future, so they decide to 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 sell it to sell it.
0: And so once there is no trading anymore on exchanges, there. The way that people will both buy and sell Bitcoin will just be peer-to-peer. Is that going to be something similar to local Bitcoins or, or how will that work?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that it will be similar to local Bitcoins.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, the OTC market. Yeah.
0: So I actually heard that one of the over-the-counter trading desks closed. Again, there are so many rumors. I really don't know if it's true. Uh, did Have you guys heard that? And if so do you think that that will happen to all the o t c desks uh, it's true
2: uh it's like a one it's like a there's a there's the o t c uh company another uh, company there's an o t c like uh, application the name is the uh, b can b B-B- yeah b b can yeah it's b can so uh, they closed their o t c yesterday uh two days ago yeah
0: oh wow okay and what are you guys doing are you selling your bitcoins or are you gonna keep them? <laughs>
1: I'm
2: buying. I'm keeping all my Bitcoins. <laughs>
0: yeah, for of,
2: yeah, I yeah. bought some
1: yesterday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You're buying more. Yeah. That's hilarious. Okay, well, so something else I was wondering about was in 2013, the PBOC banned financial institutions from using Bitcoin. How would you say that this crackdown is different?
1: Actually, in 2013, they they did not uh, uh, forbidden the uh, financial institutions to use Bitcoin. They they. they they ask them not to fa- uh, facilitate bitcoin trading so many of the uh, bank account of exchanges is closed but uh, now they they don't just uh, close the bank accounts they shut down all the exchange so it's it's more severe yeah it's a, it's a it's a it's a harder blow
0: okay well so what do you yeah. think happens next what, what if you were going to make some predictions about Where cryptocurrency in China is headed, what what would you say? I
2: think you know. Okay, the Bitcoin it's not released by a central government or by any country. It's a global currency on the internet, so it's hard to ban like by one country or one government. Yeah, so because uh, it's not released by the government themselves. Yeah. So I think in the future, like, yeah, it's going to be harder for the people who want to buy Bitcoin in China uh, if all the centralized exchange like OKCoin or BTC China closed. Yeah, but a few of the exchange platforms, I think they already have the plan to go to overseas, to go to other countries to reopen uh, the exchange platform. But, uh, I mean, they, they reopen the exchange platform just a coin-to-coin coin trading uh no no fiat money no no rmb or no dollar involved yeah just the uh, bitcoin to ether bitcoin to quantum or bitcoin to neo yeah so it's just a coin to coin trading and in the future i think it may become mainstream uh in other countries yeah so um, i think for the blockchain technology in china yeah it's still growing but uh, it will take a longer time yeah and uh, And uh, some of the team in China, they wanted to move uh, abroad. They wanted to move to other countries. Yeah, and yeah, I think the 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 regulation for sure have some like um, side effect uh, on all the startups and uh, all the big, all the Bitcoin, all the blockchain related uh, industry in China. But the future, I think, it's still bright. Yeah.
0: And what about you guys? How do you plan to proceed with your own projects? So our plan, okay,
2: for quantum earlier it's pretty global project, yeah. But uh, uh, or, um, but uh, like a few uh, in the last uh, six, last uh, half a month, half a year, uh, we focused a lot in China. So right now we may just change our focus to other countries, maybe to, uh, U.S., Korea, Russia, yeah. But but uh, like uh, China is not the highest priority right now. Yeah, we are moving to the main like uh, development work and the the forks to the marketing uh, our energy to uh, to other countries. Yeah, and we have the plan to open an office in Denver uh next month. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, oh Neo, that's actually. really nice. Yeah. Oh wow.
2: Yeah, yeah, da- yeah.
0: Colorado's great. Yeah. And Hongfei, what about Neo?
1: Yeah, my understanding is uh, uh the intrinsic uh uh reason for the Chinese government to ban ICO and exchanges is because it is somehow uh, anti-government and somehow it's uh, anonymous and uh, anti-censorship. Yeah. yeah, and I yeah. believe it is. It is. It is same uh, in other countries. So even in the United States. So I think uh, global uh, re- regulation is inevitable. Uh, there will be other countries that uh, may. A step in uh, to the ICO or even exchange. So I think uh, anonymous or uh, anti-censorship blockchains uh, is not the trend for the few, for the next few years. I think it's it's necessary for the blockchain to be compliant to have uh, uh, like digital identities to to make the network uh, com- compatible with current uh, legal uh, system. And we are uh, at Neo. We are doing a, we are drafting a a global legal framework for smart contracts running on Neo. So if they want to do a token raising, they can do it legally in most major countries. So that's what we are doing, and we are, uh, and the same thing is we are uh, going global. Uh, Neo is already quite global because uh, I, I believe most of the new holders are, are currently are not Chinese citizens. They are uh, many of them are in the United States. So uh, we will organize events, meetups, uh, conference in different countries. Yeah.
0: Okay well this has been such a fascinating discussion. How can people okay. get in touch with you?
1: Uh, yeah my email is Da at neo.org uh, da h-o-n-g-f-e-i at neo.org and uh, I, I want to add that uh, Neil is hiring so uh, if you are a developer, <laughs> if you are a, a promoter marketer uh, please send me an email
0: and
2: Patrick? yeah, so you can contact uh, contact me through my email or the Skype uh, it's both uh, same uh, so my email is patrick uh, 8 uh, quantum.org yeah, org. That's the same as the Skype account, yeah. So yeah, same like Neo. I think uh, all the all the uh, project like um, uh, it's growing fast uh, in blockchain area. So we are hiring too. Uh, yeah, we wanted to hire <laughs> some marketing director in US. Yeah, so if you have some strong background, welcome to join the quantum too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you both yeah. so much for coming on the show.
2: Thank you, Laura.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay,
2: thank you very much. Yeah.
0: Thanks everyone for joining us today for today's episode with Da Fei of Neo and Patrick Dye of Quantum. To learn more about them and to find previous episodes of the show with other innovators and thought leaders in the blockchain and crypto space, check out my Forbes page, forbes.com slash sites slash Laura Shin. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at Laura Shin. New episodes of Unchained come out every other Tuesday, so if you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you liked this episode, share it with your friends who are looking to learn more about this rapidly evolving space, and please rate, review, or send me feedback on who you'd like to see interviewed on the show. Unchained is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Elaine Zelby and Fractal Recording. Thanks for listening.